0: Welcome to Heart Health Radio with Board Certified Cardiologist and Internal Medicine Specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio. Oh, oh, oh. HeartHealthRadio.com. Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor.
1: Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation by listening to this radio show, Heart Health Radio. We have we are loaded for bear. lots of things that we want to talk about. But honestly, everything gets slid to the side of the desk as long as the phone rings.
2: Yeah, 9-1. you know, those the phone call if, the feedback I've gotten about our show. Yeah, has been mostly positive. <laughs> I would say very positive. But the yeah. most positive thing um, I think that I've heard are the questions and answers, right. uh, the callers, because. This is really what I do, is try to explain in terminology that's um, easily understandable. That doesn't mean we're talking down, but I think one of the problems that people have when they go to the doctor is they don't get an explanation that is reachable to people who are very intelligent, but not aware of the jargon. And I think- One of the things that I found in medicine is that the concepts are very simple. Yeah. But the impenetrability has to do with the terminology that we're taught in med school. Um, You know, atherosclerotic accumulation. Yeah. It's just buildup of fat in your artery. uh, And people can see that and visualize that in their mind. So call in if you've been to the doctor and he tells you you have atrial fibrillation for example which has been a big topic on this show and he hasn't really exp- he or she hasn't really explained it in a way you can understand call us i'd be glad to try i i'm not always successful i mean davis sh- sh- shook his head on many occasions you still
1: don't <laughs> understand most of the show i really don't
2: oh come on <laughs>
1: Actually, listen,
2: we've been doing the show for three years. Do you realize you'd be a a junior in med school? A junior (laughs) in med school.
1: I would have to study,
2: though. Yeah, that's true. I really would. Yeah.
1: All right. We've got a med school student story or a med student story for later, and and you're just not going to believe it. It's shameful. It it is shameful. It'll go in the shame segment. uh, You
2: know, and I'm going to stick my neck out. I think it is a sign of the times, and we'll explain why.
1: Okay. Also, Dr. Fauci not only silenced talk of a lab leak.
2: He's still lying about it.
1: But also hid evidence, not according to us, but according to Vanity Fair, Yeah, which is mostly a liberal publication. Well, if you remember,
2: Vanity Fair was the magazine... That lionized, and I'm going to use that term, lionized Dr. Fauci, and mm-hmm. placed him on a pedestal of of the pantheon of science and medicine. I, I it bothered me then, and it really bothers me now that they took a picture of him. Remember, they did this whole study on him and and story, and here he was by the pool, yeah. lounging with yeah. the sunglasses on, like he's some kind of movie star, and. You know, what happened was that the public in general became almost afraid to criticize him because of the stature he obtained in the popular media. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that was done on purpose, but the most amazing thing about this latest revelation is it was published in Vanity Fair. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is really similar to the New York Times and CBS News and the Washington Post now admitting that the Hunter Biden laptop was true. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the stories on it were true. They're coming around, and I'm not sure why. Are they reading the handwriting on the wall that, in my opinion, and a lot of other people's opinion, uh, the far left taking over the government has been a disaster? And I think there's going to be a sea change coming up soon politically, and maybe they're getting ready or maybe it's the ratings and the sales of their magazines falling. Mm-hmm. I don't know. CNN is in the dust. I mean, they, they got a little bit of a tick up in their uptick, excuse me, in their ratings with the Ukraine war. But mm-hmm. it's just amazing that things are turning around. So what's the deal with Fauci? Please. Um, we heard a little bit about it earlier. But right when the pandemic was starting, um, Fauci knew that they had given $3.7 million in grants to this group called the Eco Health Alliance, who had turned around and given a chunk of it to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Yeah. Now, when the Wuhan Institute of Virology published the genetic sequence of SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19, they didn't wait very long before they deleted a large part of the sequence and it became a controversy people said why are they doing this and Fauci just said well they're allowed to and so somebody wanted to raise a big stink about it and Fauci just basically cut him down. Now the head of the CDC and some other people were very concerned because some of the sequences before they were taken down looked to them as though they were man-made and there was a certain sequence that was never found in nature. It was associated with genetic manipulation. That's gone. And and Fauci basically said, if the Chinese wanted to delete it, then that was their right. And nothing was ever done to find that sequence again. So then a couple of major virologists got together with Fauci and some of the other people and said, hey, we are really concerned that this was made in the lab. Well, Fauci held a uh, teleconference that mm-hmm. was secret and, and basically excluded Redfield, who was part of the uh, scientific push to see if this was made in the lab. They, they didn't let them in on the conference. The next day, some of the people who had an open mind about whether this came from the lab I'll sign this thing in the Lancet. You remember that? A big yep. paper yep. saying that it was a conspiracy theory that you should um, get out of your mind that it could have possibly been from the lab. And Fauci got emails uh, from the head of the Eco Health Alliance, if you remember, got that grant, mm-hmm. congratulating him and saying thank you and your scientific expertise and. Being in Vanity Fair and People Magazine is going to make people believe that it was a natural origin. So now, just the other day on the BBC, they asked Fauci, why did you have a closed mind? Oh, I didn't have a closed mind. I always thought it could have been the lab leak theory. And if you look back at everything he said, conspiracy theory, you're a a far right-wing nut. If you're even bringing up that it could have come from a lab leak Um, And do you know what I learned in this article from Vanity Fair? That believe it or not, the original gain of function, that is to say manipulating the virus that was not transmissible to humans, but in the lab manipulating it, so it became um, infectious in humans, you know where that took place? Where? About 10 miles down the road in UNC Chapel Hill, this guy Barrick, who was a recipient of these grants and work closely with the Wuhan Institute of Virology, we haven't heard from him. Right. And what was he doing? And apparently the technique of how to do gain a function of these uh, coronaviruses was transmitted from Barrick's lab to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. I mean, that's a new revolution. We
1: taught him how to do it.
2: We taught, Barrick taught him how to do it. Yeah. And so, I'm not going to tell you that it's 100% for sure that it came from the lab, but another piece of information has just come out. And the WHO, you know, they're the the ones also who were uh, poo-pooing the lab leak theory. They now have come out and said that there, and some WHO-associated scientists, that there is a lot of evidence and Um, I can't go into all this because it's very detailed, but a lot of evidence that the virus was floating around China in September and October of 2019. And you remember now, they're trying to claim that it came from the uh, wet market in November and December of 2019. Well, if it came that early, Mm -hmm. the only thing that we can point to is that the Wuhan Institute was closed down for two weeks right. in October of 2019. Nobody was allowed in there. And and if you look at satellite photos, this is the great thing about great technology that we have. Yeah. They actually yeah. have satellite photos of guys in hazmat suits going into the Wuhan Institute of Virology right. when it was closed down in October of 2019.
1: Well, there, there's also been reports that For instance, on that particular day, that Mm -hmm. particular weekend or week, all of a sudden there were no cell phones in that area. Located in that area, I didn't realize that we all know wherever there's a cell phone, but that's true. And suddenly, there was nobody going to work at that lab. Now, here's the thing. Let me just review. No, go ahead. Yeah. All right. Number one, the architecture of the virus. Right was erased that is suppressed
2: well they did most of it that looked like the rest of the coronavirus right right but and they but they originally put everything up and then when when they realized something they took out a crucial part that had been really important in some of the scientist investigations as to the origin boom it's gone okay and and, and not only that it was scrubbed you know how sometimes. When something is eliminated on your computer, the cops come in, and they get some 14-year-old expert (laughs) in computer (laughs) science, and they figure out where it came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can't even do that. Can't even do that. It is that much wiped out from the internet.
1: And so the story goes, Dr. Fauci used his influence to encourage people to dismiss the lab theory.
2: Absolutely. Even after... Qualified and very high-ranking scientists brought up it to his face in uh-huh. meetings, uh-huh. contentious meetings, that it looks like it was man-made.
1: Okay.
2: Right. And the next day, even some of those people who were agreeing after the secret teleconference right. signed that paper in the Lancet dismissing any chance that it was from the lab.
1: I want to get to a bunch of other things. I also want to encourage folks to call 919-860-9783. Always call between noon and 2 on a Saturday. There are two medical stories that are very important. One has to do from uh, Wake Forest Medical uh, Center, Baptist Medical Center. Absolutely. And the other is about Bruce Willis. We'll talk about both those coming up next on Heart Health Radio. This is Heart Health Radio. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or go to hearthealthradio.com. In the shame segment this time.
2: Yeah. we Keish- got a lot of shame today.
1: Kaiselle Del Rosario, a fourth-year med student at Wake Forest School of Medicine, posted on her Twitter account that a patient made a big deal
2: about her... Pronouns being on her ID badge. Right. So she had this badge that said, My pronouns are he slash she. Okay. Which the LGBTQTWXYZ community wants us to, you know, um, promulgate, you know, whether we're going to be called he or she. Sure. Or whether we called they. Can you, well, you, you know, they is plural. It is. Okay. Yes. So. How can you identify an individual by they? I don't know. Okay. Don't cancel me yet. Okay. So I'm the patient and I'm an unresolved,
1: uneducated Dave Alexander type and I make fun of your
2: badge. Well, I mean, it's not that you're just uneducated. (laughs) I mean, you grew up where there were men and women, he and she. Yes. So what did the guy say? The guy said, What other pronouns are they? And he was laughing. He turned to some of the other people in the room and said, get this, you know, her pronouns are he, she. I mean, he was having a good time with it. Yeah. Okay. And? She was supposed to draw his blood. Yeah. She didn't like what he was saying. Yeah. So she casually stuck him once with a needle, pulled it out, and stuck him again on purpose. And on her Twitter account, she bragged about it. And said, this is what you get, patient, if you're not woke. And you're not buying into my LGBTQTWXYZ yeah. um, policies. That violates the, the first, you know, uh, golden rule of being a doctor, which is yeah. do no harm. And she purposely made this patient have pain. All right, here's the here's the quote. Yeah. I had a
1: patient I was doing a blood draw on to see my pronoun pin and loudly laughed to the staff. She, her. Well, of course it is. What other pronouns are there? It I missed his vein so he had to get stuck twice and the little emoji, the little yeah. picture after that is a sort of a laughing crying thing. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that,
2: that's that's the emoji when you are laughing so hard that you cry.
1: All right, the medical center has suspended yeah, but this no. person all
2: she all they did was remove her from direct patient care. Okay. She should be kicked out of medical school. You do believe that? Absolutely. that, is, that demonstrates right. I mean, a complete lack of compassion. Okay, so there's a guy who he's your patient Right, right, right. I know. know. And even if he says things that you don't like, as a physician, the sacred trust that a human being has, that that patient is not an anti-LGBQT at that moment. He may be. I don't know. But at that moment that you are providing medical care, there is a sacred trust between you and the human being. Right. You don't bring in politics. You don't bring in anything. I've taken care of murderers. Okay? Mm. Cold-blooded murderers. One guy was uh, chopping off heads of people and stashing the bodies under the house. okay. Now, it's reprehensible. Yes. Uh, brings horrible feelings to the core of my soul. But he was my patient. I was careful, I took his blood pressure. I, I didn't want him to suffer and feel pain right. with anything I did. I talked to him in a caring, compassionate manner because that's my oath. Right. And when I'm engaged in providing care as a physician, mm-hmm. you erase the emotions of who that individual may be and what he or she may have done and you treat them as though they are your brother or sister, and it's that moment that transcends and makes what we do, I wouldn't say more special than anything else, but special. Mm-hmm. And she violated that basic thing and laughed about it. Mm-hmm. She should not be a physician, ever, Wow. ever.
1: Bruce Willis has aphasia. Yeah. Has retired from making films because he essentially can't learn his lines and can't speak them. Well, it's more than
2: that. I'm going to explain, because people know, what is aphasia? There's two types of aphasia. There is expressive aphasia where you can't get your words out. Yeah. And then there is receptive aphasia where you can't understand language. So I don't know if you've seen people with strokes, but on right-handed people, the area above your ear in the left temple, mm-hmm. inside the brain, controls motor function and speech if you're right-handed. If you're left-handed, it's on the opposite side. So it's on the left side for right-handed people. Okay. Opposite. Sure. Right side for left-handed people. Yeah. Well, somewhere, somehow, he's damaged that region. It's called Broca's region. Uh, B-R-O-C-A apostrophe S. And that's a physician who first described it. So what can cause that? The first and most likely thing uh, in people is a stroke. So if you have a stroke in the middle cerebral artery if you ever hear a doctor talk about that that's the area that supplies blood to both the motor functions and the speech. So you can understand speech but can't get the words out. That's right. expressive aphasia. Right. Or you can talk and usually it doesn't make sense but you can't understand what people are saying and that's called receptive aphasia. He has a little bit of both, as I understand it. Um, But he hasn't had a stroke, and they've said that. So what can also happen in this situation is trauma. So you can injure that part of the brain. And then over time, the neurons don't seem to communicate very well inside the brain, and it gets worse. Right. If you noticed in the last two years, if you turn on Netflix or... Um, Amazon Prime, Yeah, you see a lot of Bruce Willis movies. Yes. He's made 16 movies in the last two years. Every single one of them called VOD, mm. Video on Demand, Direct right. to Video. And they're kind of, you know, cheapo movies. I've watched a couple of them. They were kind of fun. Yeah. But if you notice, he's more and more Clint Eastwood. Okay? Mm. A man of few words. Oh, yeah. no. So there's some guy rattling on about how he wants to invade this country and save all these people who are being held captive. And Bruce will go, I'm in. <laughs> you know? That'd be his and only they'll line. And he'll say, we're going to get all these guns, and we're going to do all this stuff. And he says, I'm with you.
1: He suffered some sort of brain injury. Well, it's and, just... and
2: again, we don't know for sure. Okay. But now it's coming out. Uh, And it says, this is the headline, Bruce Willis's friend's aphasia is linked to injuries suffered on the movie called Tears of the Sun. That's a great movie, by the way. Yeah? Yeah, I've seen it a couple times. Anyway, there was a pyrotechnic, which is uh, another word for an explosive device. Right. Boom. And it went off and hit him in the head when he didn't realize it. Oh, my gosh. And he was pretty messed up. And for a while, he actually, I believe, sued the production company. I don't know what happened with that lawsuit. But this is something that I want to get across to people about this. He's only 67 years old. Wear your helmet when you ride a bike. Right. Don't play football, (laughs) okay? Oh, no. Um, And head injuries are very serious, can lead to problems. He's only 67 years old. Yes, and the reason why he did all these movies is because he needed to make money, and he got $2 million a movie. Yeah. And now we know why. Wow. It's all fat. right.
1: We're going to talk about hopefully more happy uh, circumstances and stories yeah. coming right. up, and also taking your phone calls at 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio.
0: Now back to heart health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call
1: 919-860-9783. Listen to Heart Health Radio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or go to hearthealthradio.com, or just keep listening to what uh, we like to call radio, which is what you're doing now. This is Dave Alexander along with Dr. Franklin Weefald and Rose Hoban of North Carolina Health News. Hi, Rose. How are you? Hey.
3: Hey,
1: fellas, how are you? Dr. Weefald wants to talk about a story that Ann Blythe wrote, and it's on org about a Wilmington Wilmington cardiologist dying after a dental implant.
2: Yeah, and his wife leading the charge to try to get these rules changed. Is that right?
3: Yes. Uh, tell, tell us
2: about it because I, I'm fascinated, and I want to hear your your take on it and and what what's going on with it.
3: Well, I mean, so uh, as, as you noted, uh, there was a cardiologist from Wilmington. He was having a dental implant at this one dentist's office, and um, you know, the reason that it 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 got to our attention is because the guy had his license. He had to turn in his license. You know, um, the, and the the wife of this uh, physician who died, she's trying to see if she can get the rules over anesthesia turned over. Now, when you go to the dentist and you're having some procedure, like I've had, you know, a root canal, and they do, uh, you know, they do sedation, a, a certain level of sedation. And the question is, like, who's administering the sedation and the physician, uh, I'm sorry, the dentist is the one who is administering the sedation. There's no say anesthesiologist or certified registered nurse anesthetist there. And so this, this widow would like to see that change. She's got some support from the medical community. Um, The dentists are saying, well, you know, this was like, there's been like, death from sedation over the past decade yeah in, in in dentist chairs so you know that's it's a very low percentage given the millions of procedures and then also um, I mean if you read the report from the um, from the dental board uh, there's a good chance that the dentist may have been impaired at the time oh my god oh no right because he hes he, surrendered his license and um, he admitted like he had been diverting opioids from his office and including fentanyl, which we all know. And like, you know, and you and ostensibly using it. So there is some ambiguity there. Like, was the guy impaired at the time that this incident happened? You know, and that was what it was about. Sure. So he wasn't able to respond. Is it really? You know, so there's there's definitely there's there's. Definitely a debate about the, you know, what should be the level of sedation that a dentist can um, uh, administer while they're doing some of these procedures, and then, you know, should there, when, when should there be uh, either a CRNA or an anesthesiologist in, involved? and right. And you know, of course, in North Carolina, a CRNA cannot function without uh, uh, an anesthesiologist who's, you know, um, I think, and I forget the rules, but like an anesthesiologist can supervise four CRNAs simultaneously, but they tend to be uh, in situ, right? So like, you know, they're all kind of functioning maybe in the same building. And the anesthesiologist is the, you know, the, the, the guy who kind of like makes sure that everything He's the, he's the backup. But, um, you know, and so the supervision is not that the anesthesiologist is standing right there with the cRNA. Like, it's all.
2: Well, you know, cRNAs are very skilled people um, to right, get to that exactly. state. Yeah. So, have you had a colonoscopy? I'm, I'm, I'm not trying I've to, to cold be cold. too invasive here. But when I had mine, it was awesome. Mm hmm. You know, there was a mm-hmm. CRNA who, who mm-hmm. administered. This was in a doctor's office. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I can remember looking up and feeling good. And then, boom, I woke right.
3: up. And then you were done. And then 10 minutes later, you were like, uh, they, you know, they were like, hey, w- wake up. Yeah.
2: And, what? and I think the thing about what's so great about that is I felt so secure. Mm-hmm. Knowing that I was going to get the propofol, you know, the white stuff, the milk yeah. flowing mm-hmm. in my veins. And I was going to mm-hmm. be safe. Now, Mm -hmm. when I was 18, um, I had wisdom teeth removed in a dentist's office. Yes. And they gave me pentothal, sodium pentothal.
3: Yes. In my vein. I got laughing gas.
2: Well, I got sodium pentothal, and it was another great experience. I mean, but uh, I think that (laughs) if the dentist is going to give sedation like that, they should have training on how to maintain right. an airway, it, this guy was. I'm uh, reading the article. The, the patient, uh, Doctor Patel, yeah. was down for 20 minutes. 20
3: minutes. 20 yeah. minutes. I mean, yeah. So, so what was this dentist it thinking? it doesn't say that in the report, Doctor Weefold. But to me, that's why I'm like, huh? Was this thing here? Yeah. Right. Like you know, you know yeah. It's like I don't know. You and I would. I mean, I I was an e, I was an ED nurse, right? Yeah. I was an emergency nurse, so I know like you gotta, you got to get an airway in there, right? And well, you know, and you know, the
2: thing is you don't have to intubate. You can put, you know, a, an airway, a tongue thing, mm-hmm. move the tongue up, mm-hmm. and then you can use an Ambu bag mm-hmm. and keep mm-hmm. the patient going. And secondly, you can use a reversal agent. I mean, I don't know what they gave him, right? but usually it's fentanyl and a little IV narcotic, and or, you can reverse uh, both of those. And so what was, right, his, what right, was right. he thinking?
3: Yeah,
1: I, don't mean, right. I mean, I just don't know. This but is all at org.
2: Rose, thank you. And a great website. Everybody visit it. Rose has done a tremendous yep. job for uh, health care information. And pat yourself on the back today, Rose. Okay. Thank you, Rose. Thank you. you folks are very,
3: you're very kind. Thank you so much. God right. bless. Uh, take care. Talk to you next week. Okay.
2: okay. Right. Today's
1: episode of Shop Talk brought to you by... <laughs> north carolina health News.org. all right len in nightdale welcome to the program how you doing len i'm doing fine Thanks terrific what's going on
4: i have a question for the doctor sure um i've been doing uh, a lot of reading and i've i've seen a lot of commentary about the side effects of uh, statin drugs on yeah. seniors
5: uh-huh.
4: and uh i'm i'm 77 years old and um i don't know whether it's just a uh, uh, psychological kind of thing, uh, but uh, when I was reading these articles, I was saying, "Well, geez, you know, I've, it seems like I've been having some of these side effects."
2: Okay, tell me what they are.
4: Uh, well, I, uh, confusion. You know, I, I, I'd get up in the morning and I'd be a little bit confused, or uh, uh, I would feel a little bit dizzy. Uh, I, my my joints would would ache. Mm-hmm. Uh, So I I was wondering whether this commentary, you know, you see stuff online and you don't know what to believe anymore. Sure. Um, So um, I I, I was wondering whether whether you could tell me if it's, um, you know, is there some validity to these side effects?
2: There is a lot of validity to side effects from statins. There's no doubt. The worst thing that can happen if your muscles really ache and you feel like you can't walk that could be something called rhabdomyolysis, and I've had two patients with it. Uh, this is why you have a doctor that monitors you, um, and they got really sick, but they got better, and now they have a big stamp on their medical record saying never take a statin again, any type of statin. Yes, they can cause muscle aches. Uh, there is a great deal of controversy, but I believe they can also, especially in the elderly, lead to confusion. Dizziness, yes, I think that that can be a side effect of any uh, medication, and I think your joint aches could be. Now, does that mean they are? Not necessarily, and I have a plan for you to determine whether it really is this or not, okay? Here's what we're going to say. There, with so much negativity for statins, and I'm gonna tell you right now, I am biased. No, not biased. Based on the medical knowledge I have, statins are probably the wonder drug of the century. Mm -hmm. Last century and this century. We've cut death rates due to stroke and heart attacks tremendously beyond what I ever could have imagined when I started this by statins. Now, statins can lead to all of these side effects, but they did a study. Okay, they took thousands of people on both arms, and they gave a bunch of people a placebo and told them it was a statin. Yeah. Then they gave a bunch of people a statin and told them it was a placebo. I don't know how they got. We've talked about this study before. I don't know how they ever got this past the ethics committee. Well, the bottom line is, the people who were given a placebo and told it it was a statin had all sorts of side effects. The people who were given a statin, uh, no, given a placebo and told it was a statin had side effects. The people who were given a statin and told it was a placebo didn't. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm dismissing your symptoms. They very well could be from your statin. Now, here's what I, ask your doctor But if I had a patient like you, and I've done this before, this is what I do. It's okay to stop one. Make sure your doctor says it's okay for you. But it's okay to stop one because a statin is basically six months you can come off of it, okay, and see what happens. If I had a patient like you, and I have, I tell them, let's stop it for a month, okay? Let's stop it for a month, mm-hmm. and then let's restart it, okay, with an open mind to see what happens. If the symptoms are from the statin, they should go away when you stop them and come back when you restored it now that i could...
4: have uh i have um stopped taking them yeah on my own i haven't consulted my. yeah and
2: you're allowed to do that i mean you're you yeah. know call your doctor and just tell him you did it but what it's happened been
4: about it's been about three weeks and um again i don't know whether it's a coincidence or whatever but uh my confusion is, is gone away okay. I, I uh you know i'm not confused anymore. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't feel lightheaded. Sure. Um, and uh, my, uh, I, I don't have a lot of aches in my joints. Uh, I do a lot of walking. I do a lot of yard work. And uh, again, I don't. I don't know whether it's uh, you know just a, a, sure. a coincidental or whether it's it's because I've stopped taking the statins. But and, and and, you, you know, but in either case, I feel better.
2: Yeah, and so that is important because life is meant to be enjoyed. So, there are alternatives. Let me ask you, have you had a heart attack? Do you have blockages? Have you had a stroke? Uh,
4: no, I, Good. Had a scan of, I had a scan of my heart, and yeah. uh, my calcium score was 25.
2: Wow. How old are you?
5: 77.
2: Okay. Well, that's right. I wrote it down. <laughs> I, I must be taking a statin. I'm confused. But that's a great score uh, for someone who's 77. Really? I mean, that is a fantastic score. Okay. There, it, there are alternatives to statins. In fact, I want to tell everybody about a new one that just came out. It's called Nexlizet, and it works on a different enzyme that produces cholesterol. And uh, the statins work to reduce cholesterol produced by your liver, but in a different fashion, and it doesn't cause the same side effects. So. If you need to have your cholesterol lowered, you can ask your doctor about that. Now, the problem with Nexlet is it hasn't been proven, like statins have, mm-hmm. to reduce the risk of heart attack and stroke. There is another one uh, that's called Repatha, and that is a shot you take, I hate to use the word shot. Injection? A, a minor injection that you can take <laughs> once a month.
1: Wait a minute, you know what a minor injection is? <laughs> no. It's an injection that's not in your arm. Right. It's the other guy.
2: (laughs) Anyway, that's a a medicine that you could possibly take. So, you know, even if it's a placebo effect that you feel better, okay, that's important. I mean, that's real, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's like pain medicine. I mean, I've had somebody say, oh, come on. You know, it's a placebo effect. You know, you take the pain pill and your pain goes away. Okay. What? Yeah, that's the whole point, right? (laughs) So you're feeling better. Tell your doctor uh, and then see if your risk is high enough that you really need to get on another cholesterol medication. That's another whole story. We're probably over-medicating with statins. There are people who don't need them who are getting them. Mm -hmm. problem is there's not a consensus on who really needs them. But I use the calcium score a lot to decide. So, for example, mine was 300 in my Widowmaker when I was 50, what, 56? And that was a pretty high risk, a 75% risk percentile. I've got that down to basically zero. And I lowered my LDL cholesterol from 178 to 4. Okay? And my blockage went away. That's a well-known fact that they can go away but I didn't have any side effects from my statin. I mean, none, and that might have been because I was a real big believer in statins, and you know. but I could have. I mean, I could have had side effects from it. Now, muscle aches, they say you can prevent with a vitamin called CoQ10, but I won't go into that right now because you had some cerebral side effects. I mean, you were confused and didn't feel right in your head. So, the bottom line is yes, the statin could have caused all this. Yes, you're feeling better. So, what I would do is talk to your doctor and say, "Look, I don't think I'm statin tolerant." Oh, I know. I got one more question. What statin was it? Do you remember the name? Um. Was it no, a semi-bestin, semi-bestin? simvastatin? Simvastatin. Simvastatin. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. there are two types of statin. There are water-soluble statins mm-hmm. and fat-soluble. So a torvastatin and simvastatin really work well, but they're fat-soluble. And there is a lot of evidence that the water-soluble statins don't cause as many side effects. That's why I'm taking uh, one called Livolo. Living low. Really? Live-A-Low. And it has the least amount of documented side effects. And I haven't had any with Livolo. Now, it's really expensive. Oh, okay. I mean, and Medicare D doesn't pay for it. Ah! I forgot to turn my phone off, people. I am so sorry. Oh, you anyway. an emergency. No, it wasn't. But okay. the bottom line um, <laughs> is that I think you're doing the right thing. I think we'll never know unless you had a placebo trial. Now, this would be unethical. I'm not going to recommend this. No, no. But, 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 what one could do <laughs> is have your wife. I'm not recommending this. I'm no, just, no, this no, is no, hypothetical. No. Don't do this. Have your wife give you a placebo <laughs> versus the the statin. Do not do this. I'm saying it's hypothetical. And then you could determine. You could say, you know, I don't know which one it is right. and let's see what gives me the side effects. Or you can ask your doctor also if you need a statin. And again, I don't know if you do or not because it's a risk factor I now. That. I will do that. And just ask your doctor, well, what about a, what about switching to pravastatin or Crestor or livelo? and see if that doesn't cause side effects because those are water-soluble.
1: Len, thank you.
2: I hope I helped.
1: You're welcome. It I, does. Thank, thank you very much. God bless. All right, take care. This is Heart Health Radio. Listen to us on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts and at hearthealthradio.com. Well, you know you make me wanna
5: kick my heels up
1: and down This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. 62-year-old Michael Butler has just graduated medical school.
2: I think it's wonderful. Um, Really? And cheers to Michael. He did a lot of other things in his life, and then he said when he was finishing his first career, I always wanted to be a doctor. Of course, I would have been there to talk him out of it, but I wasn't. (laughs) Kidding. Kidding. Um, And he went to med school at age 58, graduated at age 62. He's going to do a three-year residency. He'll be 65. Yes. 65 when he starts. Now, we say, oh, man, that's too old. No, it's not. Uh I'm 63. I feel great. Uh, I'm going to work until God calls me. Yeah. I may slow down a little bit. But remember this. I have a lot of guys from Johns Hopkins who retired after 20 years. Mm Mm-hmm. And so they made a ton of dough. They invested it well. One guy bought all these ancient coins and made all his money that way. Anyway, they retired at 50, so they practiced for 20 years. Remember, specialists don't finish until they're 30, okay? Right. So you graduate high school at 18, you got 12 years, and then you start making money in a job. Right. Okay, residencies don't pay, okay? You're not making money in a residency. You're living hand to mouth. But if he went 20 years, and had a good career. Yeah. Why can't my guy Michael Butler, the man, right? Why can't he go 20 years, maybe 30 years? I mean, I've got patients who are in their 90s who are spry. Right. Their minds work well. Right. And as we know, older is now younger. Okay? okay. What do they say? What do they say 60s the new 40? Sure. And I think 80 is the new 60. Yeah. And so let's have more of this because Uh you know why? Hmm. Because if you're 60 and you've done something in your life and you want to be a doctor, that says something that says that you've had life experiences. Mm -hmm. Remember that people going into medical school now are in their early 20s for the most part. Yeah, they don't know nothing. We don't know nothing. And (laughs) as an example... I think this young woman who uh, earlier in the show uh, stuck this patient twice because she didn't like what he said, Um, I think it's because our brains and maturity levels Mm -hmm. aren't developed. And so let's have older people. Remember the Bakke case where Alan Bakke got the affirmative action thing? He didn't get into med school when he sued. Mm. And the Supreme Court uh, got him into med school let him go into med school but said that affirmative action was still uh, possible he was 43 Mm. okay and they followed him along he had a great career really a great career and was a great doctor so i'm all for this guy and if you think about your doctor being 62 he might be a new doctor right yeah and i love it
1: all right phil in raleigh welcome to heart health radio Yes, good afternoon. Okay. I have a question for the
4: doctor, please. Sure. I am getting a stress echo treadmill test this coming week. Okay. Due to some intermittent chest pain. Okay. And my, I guess my questions are, I'd like to know the value of this test and who is going to evaluate the results and what questions should I ask my medical folks that perform it?
2: That is a fantastic thing. All right, you ready? I'm going to start what this test does. This test is to determine a couple of things. Number one, do you have a blocked artery that is leading to a lack of blood flow to the muscle of your heart? Number two, how does your heart muscle look when you're sitting around doing nothing, and how does it look when you are exercising. Now, did he tell you you have a valve problem? Because sometimes these are to address whether the valves are working well at rest mm-hmm. and with stress. So, why do we do it? Okay. What your heart shows at rest can be normal. And then, when you exercise, if there's a lack of blood flow from a blockage in the artery, one of the arteries feeding blood to the heart muscle, you'll see the heart muscle not work as well when you are stressed. So the way that I do this test is I'll have the patient sit down on the table and I'll do an ultrasound and we'll look at the valves, we'll look at the heart muscle, and if everything checks out okay and the patient's not having chest discomfort at that time, we'll get them on the treadmill and they'll be hooked up to an EKG and we'll start slow and then we'll gradually build up And I generally like to go until the patient says, I'm a seven out of 10. 10 would be, I'm so tired I'm gonna collapse. One would be, I'm resting, Mm -hmm. I'm at a seven. And they can usually tell that. And then immediately, we put them back on the table and do another ultrasound. Now the way they do the ultrasound is like a magic wand. Mm -hmm. And they put this goop on your chest to allow the sound waves to go through your body, and reflect off the heart muscle and valves, and we can make an instantaneous 3D picture of it, 2D, well, 2D picture of it for the most part. And we can see, let's say, the front part of your heart that pumps, we can see if that gets weak. We can see if the back part gets weak. And if it does, that means there's a high likelihood that there is an artery blockage that is not letting enough blood flow get to that part of the muscle with exertion. So it's okay at rest, but when you exert yourself, there's not enough blood getting there and the heart muscle gets weak. So that's basically what the test shows. And are you having symptoms? Or are you having chest discomfort or shortness of breath? I
5: have intermittent chest
2: pain. Okay, intermittent can still be you know important. So wear your tennis shoes. Um, they call them sneakers in the north. Yeah, sneakers, yeah. Sneakers, tennis shoes. Um, Be prepared to exert yourself, and um, the question you want to ask is, how are my valves, how's the strength of the heart muscle, and does it look like I've got a blocked artery because my muscle gets weak with exercise?
1: And this is Heart Health Radio
0: heart health radio is for information purposes only before taking any action consult your doctor the following is a paid program and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group information provided is of a general nature listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area (laughs) Welcome to Heart Health Radio with Board Certified Cardiologist and Internal Medicine Specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh oh oh, HeartHealthRadio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor.
1: Stay healthy and spot medical misinformation by listening to this program, Heart Health Radio with Dr. Franklin Weefall.
2: Hey, How are you? Hey, hey,
1: hey! We got a lot of things that we well, we always planned. have a lot of things to
2: talk about. But what I really want to talk about yeah. is what the listeners out there want to know. Uh-huh. The, uh huh. The
1: the the questions sometimes. Are things that I'm thinking about anyway.
2: Yeah, that's true.
1: The the things with like, uh, you know, I'm having an upcoming test, but I'm, I'm not sure I understand why. Right. Uh, the, the conversation from earlier in the show with Rose Hoban about the sedation yeah. dentistry. Let me just tell you, I'm not sitting in the dentist chair without some sort of sedation. Well, yeah. Um but you know, I think
2: I used to give a lot of sedation by myself. So yeah. there's a test that I would do called a transesophageal echo, okay, and where you have to put the echo probe to make the sound wave picture of the heart uh-huh. in the esophagus, in yes. the esophagus. Yes. Well, you don't want to do that to somebody who's awake, you know. So you give them sedation until they're, you know, in twilight. You put it down their throat, and they do fine with it, or they don't remember, Right, and it was fine. Now, I felt very confident doing that because I could manage the airway. That's the biggest problem, is if you give too much, Mm -hmm. they don't breathe, and so Mm -hmm. you have to take the tube out, put another thing to manage their tongue, and then- Bag them with that ambu bag to get the air into their lungs. Right. While you can reverse the sedation with certain chemicals. Right. There are a lot of people, I guess, aren't comfortable with that. And so the answer is you shouldn't be giving sedation. Right. I mean, and so if a dentist goes through the appropriate training, and I bet you they do that in dental school, mm-hmm. they teach them how to do that, mm-hmm. then it's fine to give sedation. Um, I feel. Much more comfortable when I had I felt much more comfortable when I had my colonoscopy, that there was a certified uh, nurse anesthetist doing the sedation. Yeah. Now, would I have felt comfortable with my GI guide doing the procedure and managing the sedation? Yeah, if he or she had the appropriate training, right. And so, you know, if you're going to get sedation at a dentist's office, and they call themselves sedation dentistry, Mm -hmm. I can bet you uh, dollars to donuts or dollars to propofol that they've been trained. Because I don't think anyone would advertise themselves as a sedation dentist unless they knew how to manage the airway and had the materials ready and, you know, right there to get it. So. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think that patients should be aware that the appropriate training in a physician means that he or she can do it safely.
1: They were doing a cleaning on me, and it was it was sort of an invasive procedure. And they said, well, would you like us to use gas? And I said, yes. And then, like, the next time I went, they were going to do the same procedure. They said, what? Uh, do you? Do you need gas with it? I said, well, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, you're not touching me without that gas. Yeah. And they were very surprised about that. But I am telling you.
2: The gas was good?
1: Oh yeah. I've never had it.
2: Yeah. It's how all do right. they d- describe to me the gas procedure?
1: Uh you just don't care.
2: Uh, no, you, but I'm saying how do they do it? What do you, do you Just do
1: you, put what, a mask over you.
2: And what does it feel like? They count down like 10, 9, nine, eight?
1: No, no, no. It's not like you're you're there one minute. And then you're gone. You know what I mean? Does it make like, your
2: voice sound funny?
1: No, no. It's, it's not
2: it's, helium. Then.
1: No, it's not helium gas. It's uh, something else.
2: They should mix it. With helium? Yeah. I think you go, 10,
1: 9, 8, no, 7, 6. This, no, this, is why, this is why you don't actually do that in your office, do you?
2: I would now. Why would no. I give gas? All right. I give a lot of gas in the office, but it's not laughing gas. <laughs> and most of the time, when I give gas, nobody laughs.
1: Ah, all right. So we're going to talk about a couple of things today, including what I call superfood stories.
2: Uh, listen, I don't mind superfood story.
1: There, there unless is, yeah, go ahead. There is a category of story which appears in the public press all the time. Ten great foods to prevent heart disease. Yeah, I Fiv- like
2: the foods, and we'll explain them. Yeah. But the reason why I bring them up is that they're no substitute for medicines. Okay? I mean, this, yes, they are good. Yeah. But if you've had a heart attack, don't expect that these foods will take the place of important medicines that you need to take.
1: Right. There is a, a strategy that seems to be... If you're eating this food, you're not eating something bad for you. Right. Okay. And this is the story that we have in our stack about avocados. Yeah. They say, oh, eat this food and it will totally turn your heart health around. Right. Except that th- I read the story and you get in the middle of it and you realize what they mean is if you're eating avocados instead of bacon. Right. That proves nothing,
2: doctor. Right. although I will say this, okay, avocados are really good for you. I mean, they have a lot of natural stuff in them, that flavonoids and, you know, frankenoids and frankensteinoids, I don't know, I'm making this <laughs> up. A lot of stuff that does help your immune system. It's made with
1: real ingredients. Yeah, yes. and,
2: and the avocados um, also reduce inflammation, which is really important. okay. Um, But, you know, the thing is, if you eat an avocado, you can feel good that you're helping yourself and your body, but don't throw away your statin and your aspirin and your beta blocker if you've had a heart attack because you have an avocado instead. Right. Eat avocado. You know, I love avocados with ranch dressing. Mm. Mmm. Love them. Yeah. You don't like them? I know. Have you ever peeled an avocado?
1: I don't think. That, from my perspective, uh-huh. an avocado has a taste. Really? It only has a texture.
2: Now, it, when you go to the Mexicano restaurant, Mexican restaurant, do you have an avocado dip?
1: I have the guacamole, yeah, sure.
2: that's called guacamole. Right. <laughs> I call it avocado dip. That's pretty stupid. But, it t- but guacamole's really good, and avocados are really good for you. But when you read these stories, yes, they are true, but yeah. don't believe they take the place of the medicines that the doctor is giving you if you've had a heart attack or if you've had a stroke or if you have AFib right. and you need to take a blood thinner, well, an avocado is not going to take the place of that. Right. But it's going to help you in addition to. Okay. Plus, you put some ranch dressing on it, you know, right. it tastes pretty good.
1: How about this? They always say, you know, the these vegetables, dark greens. Yeah. Um, They're good for you. Nuts. You yeah. know, all those things. Wouldn't it make much more sense if when I was 20, I'd have started a habit to eat those sorts of things all the time?
2: but I'm going to say what's even more important. What? Okay. When you were minus 10, that's your mom and dad who got together to make you had good genes. Okay. All right. I mean, you you can go back in time and say, I'm going to eat avocados and- the other big thing now is cranberries. Uh uh-huh. and then super beets and what else? Somebody thinking of? I can't even remember the the foods that they somebody said.
1: Somebody said somebody said niacin. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about niacin in a niacin. second.
2: What is it? Nuts. Yeah, walnuts, grapes. Yeah. No, berries. not grapes. Berries. Uh all that stuff. Twigs. Yeah. Yeah, it's good for yeah. you. Rocks. Yeah, it's good for you. Seaweed. Some,
1: small yeah. bits of bark.
2: Yeah, they're yeah. all good for you. Well, but sure the it bottom is. line is if you have the <laughs> genetics and you're going to get heart disease, uh, they will help. Yeah, uh, They can probably push back the clock a little bit. But if you know, if your doctor says take medicines, don't think they're bad. Remember, a lot of natural things are really bad for you too. You know, strychnine, uh, yeah. what's the name of that stuff they kill people with cyanide? That's, that's a that's natural good. product. Yeah, yeah. So you know, nature uh, also, uh, kills us, mm-hmm. All right, snake venom. That's as natural as it gets. Ah. Okay, um, so don't shy away from chemicals when chemicals are necessary. Don't I try to make people take the fewest medications necessary? Do I have people on ten medications? Sure. Yeah. Okay, I do, but that's very few. And uh, do I have, tell people to eat well? Yes. And not smoke? Yes. And exercise? Yes but also take your medicines. Good. Eat your cranberries. Eat your avocados. Eat your walnuts. But take your medicines.
1: This is Heart Health Radio. Erica in Raleigh. Thank you for calling, Erica.
3: Hello. Hi. Hey.
1: Hey, I have, I have some
3: tea that has ginger in, and it also
1: has turmeric. Erica, uh, I'm having a hard time understanding what you're saying. Can you slow down a little bit? Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Erica, what is it you wanted to ask about?
6: I have some tea and it. it has ginger and it has turmeric in it. I was yeah. calling to find out what is the best time of day to drink that, in the morning or All
2: right. Okay, that's a good question. How about all day? Yeah. <laughs> the the things you're talking about, ginger and turmeric are so good for you. Um, turmeric is a spice that yeah. Came, yeah, came from India. And ginger, you know, it's, it's, what do they call that, a root? Is it a vegetable or what is it? Anyway, they reduce inflammation. And inflammation is the excess of our immune system that can damage our arteries, damage our joints, damage our brain. So as long as the tea doesn't have a lot of caffeine in it, I would drink, One in the morning, one in the afternoon, and one at night. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter what time of day that you take them. There is a little bit of evidence that if you take it early in the morning to reduce that morning inflammation, you know, when you get out of bed, your cortisol, which is a stress hormone, goes up, and that's an inflammatory thing. So I think if you want to drink that tea, make sure it doesn't have a lot of caffeine in it. You know, just a little bit is okay. Yeah. Uh, And drink it as much as you want all day because you can't get enough turmeric and you can't get enough ginger. In other words, there's no toxic levels of those two things. And I'm a big believer in both of them. Also milk thistle. Now there's no milk in milk thistle. It just looks like. The top of the weed yeah. is a milky top. That also. So I take the triple whammy of turmeric, milk, thistle, and ginger. And, you know, it might, be, it might be a placebo effect, but my back doesn't hurt. My joints don't hurt. And uh, I, I did check my inflammatory levels. And there's tests you can do called the yeah. c C-reactive protein. Yeah. And it went from 8, which is higher than the upper limits of normal of 5, right. to less than 0.1. In other words, I can't measure it, which means my inflammation is under control. Good for you. Yeah, I'm excited.
1: Erica, thank you very much. Good luck. Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation just by listening to this show, Heart Health Radio. Welcome
0: to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783.
1: always call this show between noon and 2 on a saturday 919-860-9783 and dr Wefall trying to help you out with whatever questions you've got about your health issues hospitals in the uk are now asking
2: men if they are pregnant lord have mercy <laughs> save me and, you know this it's just it's just craziness now there are people, yes, who are biologically and I'm going to say this XX, okay? They have two X chromosomes. Yes. They have beards. They have no breasts any longer. Uh huh. And they identify as men. Okay. And they often have babies. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know how they do it because they take so much testosterone to get the beard growth. Yeah. But I have seen pictures of what looks like, you know, uh, uh, the average Joe sure, with a huge belly giving birth to a baby. Now, I guess what they're saying is that if somebody comes on and looks like a man and walks like a man and talks like a man, it could be an XX human being hmm. who is pregnant. So I don't know. I just think it's ridiculous that we have to now bend over backwards, watch our pronouns, be careful we don't offend somebody or right. make them uncomfortable. Right? Why wouldn't the man with two X chromosomes volunteer that information, okay? Yes, you're sure. And say, I have a womb, a uterus, I still have my ovaries, so therefore, I could be pregnant you're, if you're, I'm having sexual intercourse
1: am I right that you're describing a very rare
2: okay they asked of person the the gen X and gen Z de- generation you, yes what percent of this society is L, of is lbgqt yeah and you know what they said I don't know 20 to 40 percent yeah I mean come you know what the real number is what 0.1 percent. And so, what I'm—that's still a substantial number of people. Yeah. Okay. And you know, the 300,000 people in this country are LGBTQT. Okay. That's fine. I love them as human beings. Yeah. And we want them to thrive and do well and achieve their goals. But this whole concept that we have to treat every single human being as an LGBTQ, right. WXYZ. Yeah. I think just gets us away from living normal lives. And I don't mean normal in the sense that XYZ people aren't normal. They are normal human beings. We yeah. treat them with love and respect and and everything else. But come on, stop being so woke and asking a man that you know is a man.
1: Right, right, right.
2: Uh, excuse me, I have to ask you, are you pregnant? And. It's just ridiculous. I'm not. It's ridiculous.
1: Thank you for asking, but no thanks.
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah. All What's right. What's your pronoun?
1: My pronoun is Your Royal Highness.
2: Yes. That, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> you
1: go ahead You go ahead and call me Your Royal Highness, your Royal Mr. Highness. Alexander. Yes. Anytime you want. All right. So there is a story out that says Russia is targeting U.S. hospitals yeah, it's pretty scary. for cyber attacks. Yeah.
2: So the hospital systems, believe it or not, have your history on a cloud. Yes, they do. So what that means is somewhere in Iceland or under the North Sea or in the Rocky Mountains, there is a server. Yeah. It's a hunk of metal that has all your history in it. And when the hospital needs to call it up, it's almost instantaneous, but it's in the cloud. Now, they also have big computers in their, um, within their um, bricks and mortar right. that connect all this stuff. Well, the Ruskies are targeting these computers, and I don't know if you've heard of ransomware. Yes. But a lot of people, they're in Albania and Slovenia, and they're pretty nasty, um, what's that called? Hackers. Yeah and they're blackmailing uh, hospitals, especially, saying, we got all your patient data, we're gonna shut down your hospital, and hospitals can't survive without computers now. Everything is on the computer. If your computer system shuts down, yes. your hospital shuts down. Yep. And what I don't understand is why they don't have backups, you know, internal backups that can function when the first one's gone. Right. At least function a little bit, um, but anyway, the Ruskies are after our hospitals. And I think it's, you know, come on. Why are they so mean? I don't know. Yeah, have you heard that there is a rumor? Well, I don't know if it's more of a rumor. What's that? That Putin is sick. Right. And that he might have a terminal disease. Uh, right. And that, you know, they've even said that he might be on high doses of steroids, uh, prednisone, especially for what they they say it's thyroid cancer. The reason why they're saying that is because this doctor, who is the head thyroid cancer, you know, maven, Grand Poobah in Russia, yeah. is always around him. He's always there. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I, again, this is speculation. Don't take my word for it. But somebody's trying to explain why he's just been so illogical. I mean, what gain could Russia ever have by doing this to the Ukrainians? It just doesn't make any sense. So some people are saying that he's sick and perhaps even terminal and therefore wants to go out in a blaze of glory as the new Joseph Stalin or the new Frederick the Great or whoever that was. And uh, I hope that's not true. I hope we can stop this.
1: Right. uh, There's a story about a New Jersey high school where 65 people who have either attended or worked at the school have rare brain tumors yep
2: yeah. now that would be a, a break in nature's uh, log if that was uh, by random chance uh, when you have 65 individuals with a rare brain cancer right. out of New Jersey out of one New Jersey uh, school they got to look at that school they got to find out what's causing that and that's just uh, unbelievable it's like Love Canal. Right. You had all these kids and all these young people getting rare blood cancers, and it all came from the poisons in the love canal. Um, New Jersey has a particular unique—well, not so unique. It's unique in the how much they have is radon gas. Okay, so what is radon? Radon is a radioactive gas that comes out of the ground, and if you have a basement or if you have a crawl space— right. Then the radon gas can concentrate and it can cause lung cancer. So, I have had five people that I know of, either from high school or college or med school, who have died of lung cancer. Mm. And not a single one smoked. But four grew up in the great state, the garden state of New Jersey. Right. So if you have a crawl space and if you have a basement, even if you're living in North Carolina, do they? Re- I don't know if they require it, but they used to require it where I used to live, yeah. is a radon detector. Okay. And if you have excess radon, don't worry. There are certain things you can do, like hook up a fan into your crawl space sure. that keeps it aerated, so the radon gas just diffuses into the air and doesn't concentrate in your basement or your crawl space, but there's something, something has caused uh, all these brain cancers in the school of New Jersey and they need to find out right away. That is so bad. It is just a shame.
1: Woodbridge, New Jersey. All right. We've got a lot more coming up on the radio program. You participate in this show by calling 919-860-9783. Call up that number and Dr. Weefall will talk you about what you're worried about. This is Heart Health Radio.
0: Now back to Heart Health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-860-9783.
1: Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation by listening to Heart Health Radio whenever you can. On Apple Podcasts or Spotify or at hearthealthradio.com. Doctor Wefold, how you doing?
2: I'm doing good. I can't believe we only have a half an hour left. <laughs> I can't believe. We I to... mean, you know, what is it about? As we get older, time just really does fly.
1: Really? You Haven't think so? you
2: noticed that? Okay, go back to when you were in second grade. Sure. Summer lasted forever. Yeah. Wasn't yeah, that great? It didn't. Yeah, yeah. It and didn't. now, I mean, okay, there's May, and next thing you know, it's Christmas. Yeah. It's just ridiculous.
1: One How minute it's flies. May, and then the next thing you know, you're like 65. Yeah. And you get to retire. You're, I'm almost I'm there. just telling you. I'm just yeah. telling you that that's the way it feels to me. Yeah. My grandkids are growing up more slowly than my kids did. Really? To me. I mean, yeah. Really? No, maybe the other way around. Well, I don't know.
2: I have, yeah, I have two grandkids. Yeah. I guess they sort of seem the same. Yeah. You know, from when they, you know, sort of erupted from their shell and became walking, talking time bombs.
1: I re- Yes. I really have to watch out that I don't refer to my grandchild as my daughter's name. Right. That's a, you know, that's a number one. That's the kind of thing my dad <laughs> well, my, my sister, all the time.
2: My sister used to get really mad because when my mom got Alzheimer's, you know, yes. well, actually I think it was multi-infarct dementia. That's another another story. But anyway, she started calling her yes. daughter yes. by my daughter's name. Yep. Okay, and I used to get very upset about it, but I used to say, look, you know, it's just, it's not her talking, it's the brain, you know, malfunction right. talking. And so, I don't know, I, I get my kids' <laughs> names confused sometimes, and right. I think that's just normal. Hmm.
1: The uh, list of... Uh, foods that are supposed to unclog the arteries. Yeah, let's... Get, I found it.
2: Just go ahead and, and read them off. Onions, Onions. yeah, okay. Again, flavonoids and antioxidant yes. things, but I just have one recommendation. Yeah, what's that? If you eat an onion and you go to your doctor, please use some mouthwash, okay? <laughs> Did you ever, like, have you ever seen people, they, they just peel an onion and they eat it right yes. out of the yeah, thing yeah, raw? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I, yes, it's good for you. Uh, no, it can't hurt you.
1: How are you going to possibly eat enough well, to make a difference?
2: Throw them in. Throw yeah. some onions in. Apples. Now, here's two things about apples. Number one, what has more sugar? A glass of apple juice or a glass of Coca-Cola?
1: Apple juice. Right. Right. So
2: natural sugar is sugar. I think the best part of an apple in terms mm-hmm. of health is what? The skin. Yeah. So the skin is hard fiber. That will help clear your gut out. Yeah. Apples are fine, but don't eat too many. And when you have a glass of apple juice, please don't drink apple juice all day long. You'll be getting so much sugar yeah. that it will counteract the good effects of you know the stuff that's in the juice. So remember, sh- natural sugar is sugar
1: when you asked me what i thought the healthiest part of the apple was i knew what the answer was all i had to do was think about whatever part wasn't really tasty no
2: i love the skin the skin of the apple
1: is much healthier for you because it doesn't taste as good as the rest of it. But
2: I, No, yeah, it does. You're the guy who said Oh, that my God. If I don't have an apple with skin, forget about it. If somebody slices up an apple and peels it, I don't want to eat it. But you're the
1: same person who told me to eat the skin, but not the inside of a potato. A
2: potato. Yeah, so uh, my favorite kind of potato is when you shell it all out. Yeah. And put a little cheese in there, maybe just a little bit of the white stuff. Yeah. And some bacon and some potato skin. And then you throw on a big old hunk, a hunk yeah, of sour yeah. cream. Yeah. Love it. You ever been to TGI Fridays?
1: Yes, I have. Tater
2: skins. You can actually buy those in the freezer.
1: Yeah, tater skins is not, not my problem with TGI, uh, whatever <laughs> it is. Because it's, sometimes what happens is I'll order the big beer, right? The 22 I don't ounce. Drink, I don't
2: drink beer anymore. Oh, my I go gosh. Out. I, I, I have, have no tolerance for alcohol anymore.
1: Oh, it's, uh, there have been times I've been there until it was TGI Saturday.
2: Oh, T- TGI
1: Saturday. <laughs> All right. Liz in Mebbin, welcome to Heart Health Radio. How you doing, Liz? Hi.
6: Hey, hi. Hey, what's My up? My question is about fluid restriction. Yeah. Um, I have heart problems, and the doctor put me on fluid restriction. Sure. But no number. And is fluid restriction the same for a 110-pound person? As a 200-pound person, is there uh, any variation in that?
2: It's very big difference. Um, do you mind if I ask you, do you have heart failure? Is that why he's restricting yeah. you? Yeah. Um, there's some controversy on that. Um, some people believe in a really tight fluid restriction. Um, others, uh, like myself, are more interested in the sodium restriction than the fluid restriction. Where salt goes, there go the water. Okay? So think yeah. about it this way. Um, Your body is salty, okay? We have the same concentration of salt as the sea. Isn't that interesting? Mm. And, yeah, yeah, so when you have heart failure, um, you don't deliver enough blood to your kidney. And your kidney is a really complicated machine, but it's not that smart, okay? So when it doesn't have enough blood, according to what it thinks you should have, either from a low blood pressure or a a heart that's not pumping blood as strong, it holds on to sodium because it thinks you need a higher blood pressure and a higher blood volume. So when you hold on to sodium, it also holds on to water. That's just a simple chemistry thing. And so you have to watch how much salt you take in. And then a lot of people are on a diuretic, which is a medicine that poisons the kidneys salt retention system so you pee out more salt so now there was an article that just came out that said that you should drink plenty of water if you have heart failure to help flush out the poison so it's a two-edged street if you can hold your sodium restriction then some people would recommend that you not do so much on the fluid restriction now I don't want you to follow that as a direction but just to know the reason why your doctor has put you on a, flu- a fluid restriction is because if you haven't held off on salt and you don't get rid of enough excess salt, then your fluid is going to build up. So one way to prevent that is also to cut back on your water intake. Now, what? It, how much should they tell you to cut back on, like to four cups or what do they, they give you, a number?
6: No, I don't remember a number at
2: all. Yeah, that's important, okay? to get a number, because I think that that can tell you as you go through the day. Now, one of the problems is, is that a lot of foods are mostly water, right? So you have a vegetable, that's 90% water. And even meat has a lot of water in it. So what I'll do, if I don't think a patient can really cut back on salt as much as he or she should, I'll put in a you know, a water restriction of, say, I don't know, uh, half a liter a day of extra water. Okay. okay? And I do it by weight. So a 100-pound person should not drink as much as a 200-pound person if you have heart failure. Now, let me ask you a question. Has your doctor, and this is sort of beyond your, your water restriction thing. Um, if you have heart failure, has your doctor talked to you about putting you on Jardians or um, Farsigia? Those are two medicines.
6: I just started Jardia. You are you got a good got doctor. A, yeah. A subsidy to help with the payment.
2: Yeah. So what they've done now, there are three medicines that we've always used for heart failure, and that and that one of them is an ACE inhibitor, the uh, like Lisinopril. The other is a beta blocker like Metoprolol, and then what they call an an aldosterone blocker, uh, like Spironolactone. Now they're saying the fourth, you know, de rigueur medicine is Chardium. And what that does is it makes your uh, kidney uh, eliminate sugar. And interestingly, even if you're not a diabetic, Mm -hmm. it helps in heart failure. So sounds like you got a great doctor. Talk to him or her about your fluid restriction and get a number that would help you. I think it would help okay. you if you had a number. Yes. How are you doing with your salt restriction? Are you doing pretty good with that?
6: When I'm at home, yes, not a problem. I don't use salt at all. Yeah.
2: Have you been building um, up swelling or building up weight fluid-wise?
6: I am carrying extra weight right now.
2: Is um, it fluid weight or is it just body weight?
6: No, it's apparently fluid weight.
2: Okay. And do they have you on Lasix or furosemide? Yeah.
6: Here's they one thing. Torsemide. me on Torsamide.
2: Torsamide. Okay, so there are three major ones we use. Torsamide, furosemide, and Bumetanide. And what's the difference? Furosemide is the first one. You know why they called it? Lasix? Because hmm. yeah. it lasted six hours. Lasix, believe it or not. Anyway, so that is what we call oh, a loop. Oh, interesting. Yeah, a loop diuretic. So it gets the mm-hmm. loop of Henley in your kidney and makes it not hold on salt. So the okay. sodium goes out, the fluid goes out. Now, torsemide is a lot like Lasix and where it hits, and so is bumetanide. There's two differences, though. Furosemide is not well absorbed if you have a a leaky gut or a boggy gut. So if you have right-sided heart failure, your right heart's not working, and you have a lot of fluid in your gut, torsemide is well absorbed. So one of the things we do is we can switch to torsemide or bumetanide if the Lasix isn't working as well. And so what I tell my patients, and in fact, I have one patient who calls me every morning Mm. and gives me his weight. Mm. And one of the ways you can follow how much fluid you have on board is by measuring your weight. So yesterday he was 240 pounds. The day before he was 250. And his wife said, yeah, he had a couple of salty things. So we can adjust the fluid medication on a weight basis so if his weight's x one day he takes a certain amount of his diuretic if it's x plus five mm-hmm. he'll take an extra dose etc so that's another way you can monitor your fluid levels is to weigh yourself every day I now, do. if you weigh you gotta weigh wearing the same clothes right oh, yeah. sure one yeah. day you don't want to wear combat boots and the next day be totally naked as they say in johnston county So sounds like you got a great doctor. Um, Just ask his him or her, what's the amount of fluid you want me to take in, okay? Because getting a number, you can you can feel more confident that you haven't overdone it or underdone it. You don't want to underdo it either.
6: Right.
2: Well, good luck. Let us know what uh, what your doctor says.
6: Okay. Thank you.
2: And you have a great day.
1: Thank you. Leon in Apex, welcome to the program. Hi,
7: Leon. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Oh, You're sure. Welcome. Hey, Dr. Weafall, I have alpha-gal syndrome, which is serious allergies to red meat, milk, and cheese, and it's thought to be caused by tick bites. I identified my problem a couple of years ago by reading an article in the Wildlife Magazine about tick bites and allergies to red meat. Yeah. Anyway, if I eat something that's got some red meat in it, my stomach cramps up, I get hiccups, I can't swallow, and I throw up mostly mucus. Right. Anyway, I, I'm on chicken, fish, turkey, vegetables without any animal seasoning. And I, I'm doing well, right. but I have never been able to find anybody in this area that really knows anything about this problem. Have you ever wow. worked with it?
2: No, you got me stumped. Okay, so tell me again. It, you got a tick bite, and then you got allergic to meat.
7: Well, that's what they think. The only okay. place I've been able to find any information is on the Mayo Clinic about alpha-gal syndrome. How do you spell uh, that? The, the galactose ha- that's in red meat.
2: Yeah, okay. Well, you, you, you taught me something.
1: Alpha-gal. 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 Yeah.
7: Yeah. Alpha Gal
1: syndrome. Anyway Now Leon, I Leon, while while the doctor's looking for information, I've got a question for you. Uh-huh. Have you actually had a physician say, Leon, you have Alpha Gal?
2: Well here oh, it is. The C D C. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Important
7: yep. question. What do you
1: what is the answer?
7: Yes? Yep, yes. My doctor was kind of skeptical when I gave her the article for the Wildlife magazine and I got a blood test and it came back positive for alpha gal syndrome. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
2: here, I got it up here now. And listen, you have taught me something. Alpha gal syndrome, there's something called alpha galactose 1,3 galactose. It's a sugar molecule found okay. in both mammals, it's not found yeah. in fish, birds, or people. That's why you can eat fish and yeah. chicken. And it's found in meat. Now, what happens is it's a red meat allergy. And apparently, people who've been bitten by ticks, their certain body chemistry makes them allergic because of this alpha. They're allergic to alpha galactose. They get some sort of antibody reaction. You get hives, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, a drop in blood pressure, severe stomach pain, okay? Now, a lone star tick—that's the tick that causes it—and other species have also been connected, and it's amazing.
7: Yep. It's absolutely amazing. Look, see, I—I I first had this. I first had a serious problem with this about four years ago. I was at a very nice banquet where they had a nice big T-bone steak. I took two bites, and oh my. I was in the restroom throwing up mostly mucus for about the next half hour. Wow. And, and then a couple of months, my wife's very careful. I read all the labels on all the things, but my wife bought some beans, and I took about two bites, and I had a stomach cramps, couldn't wow. swallow. Oh, you
2: got all the symptoms. Yeah, I'm looking it up right here. Who diagnosed yeah. you? Your doctor's pretty smart.
7: Oh yeah, I diagnosed myself. And- no, really, really. Yep.
2: Well, you're pretty smart. Where'd you go to med school? Were you the guy sitting in the back, <laughs> back uh, row at Johns Hopkins with me?
7: No, I. Hey, I have to admit, I have a PhD in plant diseases. You do?
2: Yes. You what?
1: <laughs> you got a PhD in plant diseases?
2: Oh.
7: Oh mm, yeah, I work. Anyway. So- yeah. Good for you. So I, I think a little bit, but Leon.
1: Anyway, Leon, I did some work online here. There's a doctor by the name of Scott Commons, a highly respected uh, UNC doctor in their Department of Medicine. What you're looking for is an allergist,
2: right? Quite frankly, he's doing everything he's supposed to do. He is, yes. So what I would say is it sounds like you were right. Just stay away from that stuff. So you don't want to eat pork, rabbit, lamb, or venison, all those types of, you know, meats. And you can eat anything that's a fish. You can eat reptiles. You know that? yeah. Yeah, I don't know what reptile you want to eat. Uh, And, you know, (laughs) this is funny. It says here, I'm reading the internet, alpha-gal is not found in fish, reptiles, birds, or people, yeah, or people, yeah. You better not eat any people, okay?
7: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank I like you. Then, and then, and then even some of the more serious issues, I I, can, I have difficulty taking any kind of medicine that has cap that's in a capsule because it contains gelatin.
2: Sure. Oh yeah, that's uh, good.
7: So I don't take any. I just take two little blood pressure pills, pills a day that's not in gelatin. Yeah.
2: Well, you're the second patient that has taught me something. So, I really appreciate this call.
7: Leon, thank you. <laughs> and what what you say the doctor's name was? at Chapel Hill.
1: It's a, his last name is Cummins. C O M M I N S. Scott right.
2: Cummins. Cummins.
7: Right. Okay. Well, thank you. But anyway, hey, so, and anyway, I don't I tried some of these so-called vegan stuff, but yeah. when you look at all the additives that's in there, I'm apparently allergic to some of those kind of things, too, yeah. so I'll yeah. do one of those.
2: Well, get some fish and some birds in you.
1: Yeah. Leon, yeah. thank you. Good luck. All right. Thank you. That's Stay
2: fascinating. Stay in touch with us. That is Thanks. fascinating. It is. Isn't it? Fascinating.
1: This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Well,
4: you know you make me want to
1: kick my heels up and down throw my hands up and down. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. You can get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation by listening to us every week. If you miss us on the radio, go ahead and listen on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or go to hearthealthradio.com. You got a shout-out?
2: Yeah, I, I usually don't shout-out politicians, but I want to shout-out a group of politicians, the mm. House of Representatives of the United States Congress. I've
1: been there. I know what that is.
2: Yeah, $35 insulin. Really? They mandated that? Well, it's not going to pass the Senate. Oh, okay. okay. And the Republicans are against it. And, you know, I am a conservative Republican. I have no problem telling you that, but I disagree with my brethren on this issue. Because I deal with it every day, insulin is, didn't used to be like this. I mean, you know, twenty years ago, even when the pens came out, you know, the flex pens, yeah, where you could give yourself a little injection with the pen and dial it in, uh-huh. they were reasonable. But I can't tell you the number of patients that I have who need something called Lantus and on their Medicare Part D program, yeah. Their copay is three hundred dollars for a pen. It's ridiculous. It's yeah. just insane. Whereas in Canada, that same pen is fifteen dollars, uh-huh. and in Europe it's thirty dollars. And so we've got to change this because people are going without their insulin, and it's ridiculous. Now, one thing I want to tell you all out there: until this changes, if you if you can and you need Lantus, okay, and you. Can work without a pen. You can get the one mL needles, one right. cc needles, right. and the ti- I mean syringes and the tiny little needles. You can get something called Semglee, S-E-M-M-G-L-E-E, and that is a generic Lantus. It works really well. Mm-hmm. You can get it at Walmart. You can get it at other places, and you get it for forty dollars. Okay. And you get a vial that's got a you know a really long lasting thing. And then you can get these 1ml syringes. You can have a nurse, or if you've never done it before, have your doctor show you how to fill your syringe. Right. It works. You can also get uh, the short-acting insulin, generically, Mm -hmm. in a vial. So if you're having trouble paying for insulin, talk to your doctor about the alternative, Semgly or generic Lantus. Now, if they can get this, I hope that the Senate... Will wise up now. I don't know why Lilly and I don't know why some of the other drug companies want to charge so much for insulin. Uh, I know that um, we have a, a great company here in Clayton, mm-hmm. uh, Novo Nordisk, right? And they used to make all the generic insulin, and it used to be the Novo Nordisk's uh, Novolog. It's called. Yeah, was really inexpensive. And it's now, I mean, the cash price for a a pen of insulin is almost $1,000, $1,200. And it's just ridiculous. And so, you know, I've always told the drug company people, you're killing the goose that laid the golden egg. Because if you don't stop this, huge, huge price increases. Right. Then you're going to get regulation. And regulation can be bad for everybody. So I want to shout out The House, even though I hope that they all get defeated (laughs) in the next election, Uh, (laughs) they did a good thing. Uh, I think this is a slap in the face to the drug companies. They need it because they're making a huge mistake.
1: I think the only way to solve the medical community in uh, America is by running you for Fauci's job.
2: Well, I'm not an infectious disease person, but I think I can do a better job than him, especially since I'm much better uh, in the media. You know, I think I can be honest and truthful for a change and let people know uh, that I'm on their side and not trying to protect myself from the things I did, like fund the Wuhan Virology Institute. (laughs) I'm Franklin C. Weefald, M.D., and I approve that message.
1: (laughs) Very good. Very good. I like that idea. So if you're going to vote, vote more than once for Franklin Vote early
2: and vote often.
1: (laughs) That's deadly. That's deadly. Yes. All right. All right. Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation. Believe it or not, Dr. Weefald. We've exhausted another uh, Well, I can tell you show. right
2: now, this is the highlight of my week, and uh, please listen in. You can get us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can look at our website, hearthealthradio.com, and wptf.com. Look at the podcasts.
1: Yeah, very good. Well, thanks a lot for listening. Uh, the uh, telephone number, I want you to write it down and uh, keep it because we've got another program coming up in just a little bit. Uh, our uh, making your home great program is just uh, a moments away 9198609783 see you then